Welcome into another edition of Hitting Hard with John Chuckery. Today on the show, we're going to take a look at the Falcon schedule, some close-up views, some 35,000-foot views. We'll talk all about it and what we are expecting for this season. A disturbing stat or two about the Falcons' offensive line. This is not good news, but listen, we got to give you the truth about all of it. And Gary Barta, the AD for Iowa, is everything that is part of the problem with collegiate athletics. All that, here it's hitting hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Welcome into a Friday edition of Hitting Hard with John Chuck, where we're asking you to head over to YouTube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta in your browser, subscribe to our channel, leave us a review, give us some comments, tell us what you think about the show, up over a 1,000 people, so just about hitting uh, 1,100 folks, so thank you so much for being part of our growing community, and I ask you to hit me up on my personal Twitter page, at JMCH316. Well, last night we got the official release of the Falcon schedule. We knew what teams, we knew what home games, we knew what road games. We didn't know the order and everything in it. So as I go through and look at this very quickly, uh, Falcons obviously will start the year at home against the New Orleans Saints, then at the LA Rams, at the Seattle Seahawks, back-to-back road West Coast games, home with the Browns, at the Buccaneers, 49ers at home, at Bengals, Panthers, Chargers at home, Thursday night in Carolina for the Panthers, and then Bears uh, at home at Washington, home with the Steelers, finally a bye in week 14, and then at the Saints, at the Ravens, and then they'll close out the year at home against the Cardinals and Buccaneers. So some of my thoughts initially as I look at all this. The first quarter of the schedule, first five games, even if you will, okay, maybe the first six, seven games, um, it's really a difficult schedule at the beginning of the year. Saints never an easy draw. That's a rivalry game. Anything can happen. I do like the idea, though, that if you're going to have a West Coast trip and multiples of them, play them in back-to-back weeks. Historically, and this is true for a lot of East Coast teams, but historically the Falcons have always just stayed over on the West Coast. I expect that to happen. So you're you're in L.A. to play the Rams on September 18th, and then the very next week you're going to play in Seattle. I expect the Falcons to just stay out on the West Coast. I think it's a good thing to get that out of the way. I think a team young but not beat up or any sort of thing like that and haven't gone through the grind of the season and this and the other, neither of those games is going to be easy per se. Just the idea, though, of physically you get it done early in the year and you don't really have to drag yourself out there on the West Coast later in the season. And then the Browns game is interesting because – We'll see about whether or not Deshaun Watson plays. If you believe some of the rumor and innuendo about what Watson's suspension may be, it's very possible that he'll get a six-game suspension. Okay, in week four, the Falcons have to play the Browns. So there's a definite chance, not guaranteed, but there's a definite chance that Deshaun Watson won't be available for that game. Now, that doesn't make that game infinitely easier it's still Miles Garrett. It's going to be Jadavion Clowney, Tack McKinley. You know, it's still going to be 
Chubb and Amari Cooper and, you know, all the guys that they have and Njoku and, uh, you know, uh, Kareem Hunt and, you know, all these guys that, that, that they have, you know, still out there in Cleveland, all their weapons and everything like that, but, you know, could potentially be no Deshaun Watson. Um, I don't like the bye week at week 14. It's the latest bye that the Falcons have had in a long time, maybe ever. Uh, that's a very late buy, you know, it leaves you only with basically a quarter of the season to go, but I don't like having to go through, you know, 13 weeks of football before you get at least a one week break. Now they'll get a little mini buy because the only prime time game the Falcons have is the Thursday night game. And that's not a bad deal. So even though you play the chargers at home, okay. And then have to turn around and play Carolina on Thursday, that's an easy road trip. Hell, that's a bus ride, right? I mean, that's that's pretty simple. It could be a lot worse. You know, you could have had to go to the West Coast or gone up to Cincinnati or something kind of crazy like that. You know, some ridiculous thing that the NFL would have put out there. But it works out pretty well. So you get two home games, and then your Thursday night game is after a couple of home games, but it's in Carolina, and then you get that little mini buy. So I do think that if there's a stretch – where the Falcons can make some hay, because I think the end of the year is tough too. At New Orleans, at Baltimore, home with the Cardinals, home with the Buccaneers, okay? I do think that's sort of a tough stretch. But if there is a stretch where the Falcons, I think, can make some hay and, and get a chance to maybe put a few wins together, it would be, you know, the Panthers on Thursday, Chicago, Washington, and Pittsburgh. Now, look, Pittsburgh's still going to be pretty formidable with their defense, but you probably most likely play a rookie quarterback at that point. So if there's a area of the schedule, I don't want to say that's easy. It's probably that middle part where it's Carolina, the Chargers, Carolina on Thursday, Bears, Commanders, and Steelers. You know, the one thing that sticks out, and we're going to talk about this in the next segment, is it is pass rush, pass rush, pass rush that is coming after the Falcons. If you literally go through and look, outside of Vaughn Miller, I mean, every top-tier pass rusher is going to play Atlanta this year. Both of the Boses, Miles Garrett, Khalil Mack, Hendrickson, Cam Jordan, and on and on and on and on with the pass rushing crew. Aaron Donald. You know, I'm just looking through the list here of, of all the guys that they're going to see. Chase Young coming back this year. T.J. Watt, the guy who tied the record all time in a single season for sacks. And obviously Barrett for the uh, Buccaneers. I mean, just on and on and on and on. Literally outside of Vaughn Miller, you're going to play every top pass rusher. You're going you're gonna to see every top pass rusher in the league playing the Falcons this year. So it's definitely a harder schedule. I think the first part of the schedule, first, whatever you want to say, four to six weeks is brutal. Multiple West Coast trips, playing playoff caliber teams, division rival to start off the year in Tampa to face Tom Brady. There's a lot of landmines there, but if there is a little bit of ease, it's going through that middle part, and maybe you can find a few wins, you know, through there. Last part's going to be tough as well. I'm not going to give a specific win total, but I think the Falcons are maybe somewhere five, six, seven wins. I think that's realistic. I don't think. I don't think that they're going to I don't think they're going to win less than 5 games, 
but I don't think they're going to win more than seven games. So, you know, as I see the rest of this roster come together and get a little bit of a feel for what they're going to do. And like last year, I nailed it. Last year, I said seven and 10. Said the Falcons would be seven and 10 and nailed it. So when I give you the prediction, just, you know, book it, take it, you know, put it in stone, put it in granite, and, you know, it's going to be a lock for it. But all joking aside, I think five, six, seven wins is the realistic target area for what the Falcons can be this year. And we'll see how much improvement that they have. But um, this is not an easy schedule. And I think the first part and the last part get really tough and tricky for the Falcons. But at least they open at home and they close out the season with a couple of games at home. All right, when we get back, I've got a less than ideal set of numbers that I'm going to give you about the Falcons offensive line. Everything we thought was true looks like it is true. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuck, Rian Locked on Sports Atlanta. Welcome back on Hitting Hard with John Chuck, Rian Locked on Sports Atlanta. We ask you to head over to YouTube.com, put Locked on Sports Atlanta into your browser, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Tell us uh, what you think about the show. Give us a review. Give us some comments, uh, feedback about it. Always like to see the interaction. I do go through and read all of the comments that y'all put there. So definitely appreciate all the feedback. And certainly, you know, feel free to be a part of our ever-growing community. And, of course, I want you to follow me on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. All right. You want a little bit of fun research? This is not going to be necessarily fun for an Atlanta Falcons fan. There is a Twitter handle, and the, the, the profile name is Computer Cowboy, and the handle is at Ben B. Baldwin. At Ben B. Baldwin is the Twitter handle on all this. They went through and graded all 160 starting offensive linemen this season in the NFL. So based upon what we know, projected starters, everything like that, okay? They went through, and with analytics, they went through and ranked all 160 starting offensive linemen by expected pass protection grade. Are you with me? So take expected pass protection grades, and they ranked all 160 starting offensive linemen in the league, right? 32 teams, five starters, okay? Now, for the Atlanta Falcons, because that's what we care about, right? The good news is that Jake Matthews comes in at number 20. He is the 20th rank. Actually, he's sort of tied for 19th with Andrew uh, Norwell. Um, I'm surprised that Lindstrom, I did not see Lindstrom in the top 20, and I haven't had a chance to go through the middle of all of this, but Jake Matthews comes in, you know, in the 94th percentile of offensive linemen in the league in pass protection at number 20. And, and just to give you an idea, the Browns, Joel Batonio, he's number one. Bakhtari is two. Both those guys are in the 100% uh, uh, percentile. Ronnie Staley, Zach Martin, Joe Thune. Okay, you, you got it, right? All the top guys. So Matthews comes in in the top 20, which is good. Okay, I thought Chris Lindstrom would be there. But uh, like I said, I didn't get a chance to go through the middle of this order. Okay, what I care about is this, though. And when we talk about stats and analytics and what they mean and things like that, as Jarvis says to me, stats and analytics confirm what we already know, right? Confirms what the eye test is. So let's go to the bottom 20. These are the 20 lowest rated pass protection grade offensive linemen in the league. Again, remember, regardless of position, center, guard, tackle, doesn't matter. 
Okay, you with me? Okay, guess who comes in? Because there's 160, right? At number 152 is Caleb McGarry. So he's your starting right tackle. Oh, it gets worse. Coming in at number 155 is Matt Hennessy, your starting center. Oh, we're not done. Coming in dead last at 160 is your starting left guard, Jalen Mayfield, who's in the one percentile, one percentile. Hennessy is in the five percentile. McGarry is in the seven. So three of the starting Falcons offensive linemen rank 152, 155, and 160 as far as worst offensive linemen in pass protection in the league. That is staggering. Now, I keep going back to this. People are, oh, well, give Jalen Mayfield a chance of getting better. Great. So he won't be the worst offensive lineman in the league. Does that mean he'll be one of the five worst offensive linemen in the league or whatever? I will say this, and I will continue to preach it. And if the Falcons do it, all the same things that happened last year will happen this year. You cannot have Jalen Mayfield and Matt Hennessy stand side by side with one another on your offensive line and start. You can't start those two guys standing together. You can have one. You want to tell me Mayfield? You want to tell me Hennessy? Fine. But you can't have both. And it all proved out. And I said that this would be a disaster last year, and it turned out to be. You have arguably two of the five worst pass protection offensive linemen in the league that are on your offensive line. There are only three, there are only five guys worse in pass protection grade than Hennessy and nobody's worse than Mayfield. You can't do that. And when I talk about offensive philosophy, it all gets back around to these same things. You know, when you don't have your offensive line fixed, first off, you have a quarterback who doesn't throw it as much. It's going to be running for his life. I don't care if it's Mariota, Ritter, whatever like that. When those guys are back there passing, they're going to, you know, Marcus Mariota came from Tennessee. There's no Jake Conklin and Taylor Lewan and all those guys they had. He had all those guys in Tennessee. And that's part of why Derrick Henry, Henry could run for 2,000 yards because he's got one of the top five offensive lines in the NFL. Wait till they get a reality check of going behind McGarry and Hennessy and Mayfield. Think about what poor Chris Lindstrom has to play around. He has three of the 10 worst pass protection offensive linemen, which is remarkable that he did not give up a sack and only had two penalties on the year. Tells you even how much better his season really was playing with all those slugs around him. So, you know, again, I know they brought in competition with a Fetty and this and that, and, you know, they brought in a guy that could play left. Okay. There damn sure better be some competition and there damn sure better be some, some money that they have left after they signed their draft class. And we saw Drake London sign his contract yesterday. Good. It's draft class signed. Go out and find me a free agent. And, and honestly, 
You want to wait till after June 1st cuts? See if we can find at least a competent offensive lineman because that's not fixed. And that should horrify you as a Falcons fan. Hey, it's remember when I said, oh, it's great. We got Pitts in London and we put two top 10 picks in, but five things have to happen before either of those guys can make an impact on the field. Well, one of those five things is your offensive line has to block. And the fact that we have three of the, we have the worst, one of the six worst, and one of the 10 worst pass blocking offensive linemen in the league isn't a good thing. And it goes back to why you have to invest on your line of scrimmage. How are you going to do anything when you don't have that? So I hope the Falcons find a way to find a decent free agent to come in here and bring some real competition. But I'm going to tell you once again, and I'll say it a million more times, you can't start Hennessy and Mayfield together on this line again, or all that is is history repeating itself, and the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. That's what will happen if you put those two guys back together on this offensive line. All right, when we come back, Gary Barta, the I, the AD for Iowa, is everything that is wrong with collegiate athletics and the mindset of it. We'll talk about that next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked on Sports Atlanta. Back on Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked on Sports Atlanta. Don't forget to head over to YouTube.com and check us out there. Put Locked on Sports Atlanta in the browser. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's growing every day. Leave us a comment. Give us your thoughts about what we are talking about. And, of course, give me a follow on my personal Twitter page. It would be at JMCH316. Gary Barda is the athletic director for Iowa, okay? And he recently went on a podcast on the, quote, Fight for Iowa podcast, okay? And he had this to say about where we're at with the state of athletics and name, image, and likeness and boosters and all this kind of stuff. Quote, what has happened is the combination NIL in and of itself what it was intended, what it was intended, so that student athletes can make some money off their image, their name, and their likeness is a good thing. And actually, that part of it is going well on our campus. But what's happened is it's now being used for recruiting inducements, and that was never intended. And then you have the transfer portal, which again, in and of itself, was not a bad thing, getting some of the how you can transfer cleaned up. But you can take NIL and now you combine it with transfers and that's the storm. That's the storm we're living through right now and something has to change. Here's the money shot. Quote, if you transfer, you can transfer. You don't lose your scholarship. By the way, let me, let me back up. This is what Barta is proposing be done with the NCAA and things, okay? So this is the money shot. Let me start over. Quote, if you transfer, you can transfer. You don't lose your scholarship, but you must sit out a year because we can control that. And think, or sorry, and that I think would slow down the name, image, and likeness deals because a booster isn't going to offer a student athlete a big sum of money if they know if they come into their university, they have to sit out a year. But at the same time, once the student's there, you can put together, they can put together a name, image, and likeness package that they benefit from. Okay, that last paragraph is every single thing wrong 
with collegiate athletics. Let me ask you, did the students pass the NIL legislation? Did the students create the boosters? Did the students force any of the adults to fork over money or anything? Did the students change the transfer portal rules? Nope. It's all the adults. But Gary Barta's first solution is let's punish the kids on campus. That's everything wrong. So now the kids actually have a little bit of power and say so in name, image, and likeness, in transfer portal and all that. But now we're going to blame the boosters and everything. How long have boosters been around? Since the dawn of collegiate athletics. This has changed? No. What name, image, and likeness did is create the Wild West because it brought the cockroaches out into the light. Instead of having to take your flashlight behind the wall and wiggle around and look for the cockroaches, they're out in the light now. You can see them. So Gary Barta's first solution is not work with the boosters, not clean up the adults. Nope. It's let's punish the kids by making them sit out a year and cut back on the deals and this, that, and the other. Even though the kids didn't do it. So let me ask Gary Barta a question, okay? Dan Radakovich has had three ACC athletic director jobs in the last nine years. Did Gary Barta go on a podcast and say ADs are out of control, that they're just moving everywhere and it's created this firestorm and the fact that these schools are paying the AD more money everywhere he goes is a problem? Nope, didn't hear a word out of him. Let me ask you, did Gary Barta have a problem with Manny Diaz who took the Temple job one day and said, "Ah, you know what? I'm good. I'm headed down to Miami. Did he go on a podcast and say coaches are out of control, taking all these different jobs, moving around from school to school and taking more money? Did he say that? Did he say we have to stop coaches from running around? Nope, didn't say that. Did he have a problem with Mario Cristobal who goes to Oregon, has a couple of years, like, ah, you know what? I'm going for a bigger, better deal somewhere else. I'm going to leave them high and dry. And you know what? They can pay my buyout, and I'm just going to go get more money and, and be where I want to be. Did he say anything about that on his podcast? Hell no, he didn't say anything about that on his podcast. Why? Because he's a typical jackleg that's involved in collegiate athletics. What's our solution? Nope. Not work with the boosters, not fix them, not try to do this. And the first thing out of his mouth is, well, we got to stop these kids from transferring because it's encouraging. Really? So that's what the problem is, is that the kids are doing what they're allowed to do and what the rules say that they haven't been able to do before. Okay. And that's transfer and become free agents. Now, look, I'm all for that. As long as the kids understand that there are unintended consequences. If you transfer out of your program, you may not get another job. That's the same thing with leaving your employer. If you leave your employer without your next job in place, you may not get hired somewhere or get hired for the job that you hoped that you wanted and applied for. You may get passed over. It's the same thing here. But we're blaming the kids. And, and I should say when we say blaming the kids is that the first thing we want to do is cut off what's good for them. Cut off their stream. And then we can go in and fix the adults. So don't fix the adults first. Let's fix something that isn't a problem right now. It's the kid's fault that they're transferring. It's the kid's fault that he was presented with an NIL deal. It's the kid. Really? So Gary Barta, did he go on a podcast and talk about Fred Taylor's story when he got the bag full of cash? Remember Fred Taylor a few weeks ago going on a podcast? 
and saying, yeah, or on a radio show and saying, yeah, I got a bag full of cash to go to, to Florida. And then I used Georgia to get more money out of them. I used Georgia and got money from them. And then I got a bag full of duffel bag full of cash out of Florida. Oh, did Gary Barta go on a podcast and say that that was a problem? All of that. And we needed to fix that then? No. Nothing has changed about collegiate athletics except for now the kids are getting a piece of the pie. And now the kids have freedom and flexibility to do things they want, almost like they're learning to be adults. But oh, no, 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 no. Don't tell Gary Barta that. Let's stop the transfers and let's put this in place. Who's the only people that get hurt by what his proposal is? Who? Let, let's go down the list. Is it presidents? No, nope, no. Nope. Is it the university? No, no, no. Is it the ADs? No, nope, no, nope, no. Nope. Is it the coaches? No, no, no. The only people hurt by what he wants to do are the students and the athletes themselves. And you see, that's the problem. We don't want to immediately address the adults. We want to put something on the kids that they never caused, but now they have to be fixed. It's ridiculous. And Gary Barta is every single thing wrong with the mindset in college athletics. All right, we thank you so much for being a part of the show today. Head over to YouTube.com, subscribe to our page, Locked On Sports. Thanks for making Hitting Hard with John Chuck with your first listen. Want to remind you, make your second listen every day. ATL Day Ones, my friends Jarvis Davis, Tanitra Batiste, speaking to the heart of the city of Atlanta, talking Braves, talking Hawks, talking Falcons, talking Bulldogs, talking everything that you want around the city of Atlanta. It is part of our Locked On Sports Network as well uh, here in Atlanta. And, of course, free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. So also follow me on my personal Twitter page. It is at JMCH316. Hope you all have a great weekend. We will be back on Monday. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckry on Locked on Sports Atlanta.